Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Final hour is here for the Monday edition of OutKick 360. 6th and Peabody, hopping, ready. Yeehaw beer and Old Smoky Moonshine ready for the, the next big week of all things football, which is tonight here. Sure, many of you will be watching it as well. Monday Night Football, Ravens and Saints. We will uh, preview that a bit later this hour. We'll hit more NFL topics as well. Frank Reich, if you're just joining us, fired today as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Jeff Saturday. Yes, Jeff Saturday is the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts as they get set to take on the Las Vegas Raiders in Week 10. Chad, uh, Notre Dame does it. I was fooled here. Notre Dame, big over Clemson, 35-14. I, I'm sitting there watching this and keeping up with what Alabama and LSU were going back and forth doing. And I didn't. I felt like Dabo did not learn from the quarterback fiasco from earlier where he pulled DJ and, you know, ends up going, um, you know, he pulls him again in, in this game and, and Klubnik ends up coming in, but... What a disaster for the Tigers here. And and honestly, I mean, I put them in with with Bama where they're really good, but they're not invincible. The the same aura is not around them. You agree? Yeah, so first off, you cannot lose a game when you allow 85 yards passing <laughs> to the opposing, especially 35 to 14. I don't understand losing 10 to 9. In a game like that, in bad conditions, nine for 17 for 85 yards, but two touchdowns, one rushing from Drew Pine. Weird stat line in a 35 to 14 win. Um, Clemson's got an offense problem. DJ Ongolale has been a huge disappointment. Klubnik comes in, he throws a pick six, then you go back to DJ after that, after pulling him from this game when they haven't uh, scored a single point into the second half. This was a great performance from Notre Dame. Uh, this is Marcus Freeman's signature win so far yeah. as Notre Dame head coach. It's interesting to me that the same time this is happening, Brian Kelly is getting his first big signature win at LSU. It happens simultaneously with Marcus Freeman taking over for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. But Hutton, I still look at Clemson. You know, they're going to figure it out offensively. They've got too much talent. And they're in a, a, a conference in the ACC that Miami's terrible. Florida State is just okay under Mike Norvell. North Carolina could be a threat. They've got one loss. Drake May is a guy who may end up in New York at the Heisman ceremony, who's having a terrific year statistically. They've got a coach who can recruit. But going up and down the list, I mean, who, who are you taking in the ACC every year? Because Clemson's not falling off in recruiting. They're still getting five- and four-star talent. They've got great talent on the defensive line. They seemingly always have great line play. They're good up front mm -hmm. on both sides. 
They're producing NFL talent. So while this year has been very boring as a Clemson fan to watch, and the offense still has never really figured it out, I don't see it as some program that's headed for a big fall. I also I see them now as really out of the college football playoff right. discussion. Yeah, with that performance and how rare. Even if they go on to win the ACC championship game, it's just I don't see them going to the playoff. Yeah, and and how rare is it that we have Clemson and Bama now, where they're not in it, and it's a it's a refreshing season for the college football playoff no matter what happens there it, it was needed I mean look to take it aside and I'm this is no knock at Alabama or Clemson fans it's every but year I think Alabama and Clemson Oklahoma fans as well could take a step back and say yeah this is this was probably needed for the sport because um people are tired of, of Bama people are tired of Clemson people are really tired of Bama more so than Clemson but Bama getting their second loss I, I really believe is is good for the sport as a whole that they're not going to be in the college football playoff. And I, I think the same for Clemson, but Clemson still seemingly, if you're rooting against them, it's more of a hopeless feeling to me because I still feel like they're going to win the ACC. Based on their conference. And they're going to come back next year and win the ACC. There's no challenger, right? Georgia is now Bama. They are becoming what Bama is in their best of times. They're not going to go anywhere. So Georgia in the SEC is a true challenger. Can Brian Kelly and LSU become a year-in, year-out challenger for Bama? Maybe. Good first step in their, his first game against Saban at LSU to win that game. But they still got a long way to go to beat Bama or on their level. But, I mean, you look at the ACC and it's just... NC State going to rise up and be no. that program? Although they did get a win. Yeah, again, no. I'm, I'm looking at you, North Carolina. It's not going to happen for Florida State and Norvell. Mario Cristobal, maybe, but man, they're a long way away. They're embarrassingly bad this year. So it's Clemson's conference. Miami's until among the notice. biggest surprises and what's been a surprising college football season for me with the results. You know, the showing that we saw against Texas A&M, knowing what A&M is, and seeing the, the, the play against Florida State and everything in between. They've got the, you know, a first-round caliber quarterback that, He's been awful. Yeah. I mean, the, the, he's been hurt and he's been awful when he's played. Yeah. It's just not, not living up to the, the, the hype by, by a uh, long margin. Cristobal's coming out and, and apologizing, you know, for their performance in that beatdown against Florida State. And he should apologize for it, but he's apologizing to their fans and alumni for how they've looked this year, especially in that game. So it's not good. If Texas Tech was better on offense, TCU is for the taking. TCU, though, Trails going into the fourth quarter, yet again. They did that against Oklahoma State. And they come up with these game-changing plays. And they were down two scores in, uh, what, the game against Kansas, I believe. They find ways in the, in the pressure-packed moments to stay alive. So, props. And, and that's why I think they deserve the fourth spot. They continue to find a way to rebound and, and put it back in, you know? But at some point, this is going to come back to bite them this year. It's probably going to be Saturday. I, I, I'm with you. I think they, they deserve that four spot. I thought they deserved a better fate a week ago with the first playoff announcement. I think they'll get that four spot, and they deserve it. I also think they're going to lose at in Austin this weekend. They're, they're more than a touchdown underdog against Texas, who's now suddenly figuring things out. 
Uh, no, we may and talk about them a year them ago. As well. That was only the second win TCU's had over, excuse me, Texas has had over TCU in eight or nine years. Yeah. It was last year. And now the Longhorns are a, a touchdown favorite. It's very much a cannibalized uh, Big 12 this year. When you look at the top of that conference and what teams are doing to each other, also, uh, Oklahoma State is broken since that 48 nothing oh. loss to Kansas State. I know they've got quarterback <laughs> injury issues, but they're losing bad to Kansas with Kansas backup quarterback playing. I mean, they in this whipped game. them. Some, whatever happened to their defense? Like Jim Knowles left, and but, but the, then they still, but they still the had defense with them. Well, but they still had like a top twenty caliber defense going into the last three weeks, and now it's just. And a free-for-all. Run up the score. It's like it's, it's crazy how far they've fallen and how quickly they've fallen since they got off to a great start this season. The Buckeyes, they win 21-7. to Another prove-it games later with Michigan, but uh, they by far uh, a season low, 283 yards here against Northwestern. They tied their season low with 21 points. Still won the game. And... This is also, Chad, to your point, more about conference, depth in conference. Well, because Auburn, just run through Missouri, you know, there, there are certain teams in the SEC where you can have a flat performance and still win. But this never felt much in doubt, despite the fact that Ohio State was just kind of sleepwalking here. The weather was awful. I watched a lot of that game early on. And, I mean, you can easily we'll, – we'll have Bobby Carpenter on later in the week. I'm sure he's going to talk about that. The wind was terrible. 75 uh, yards up for Stroud. In, up in the Chicago area. C.J. Stroud and Hendon Hooker both hurt their Heisman chances with their performance on Saturday. It's not eliminated, but they definitely did not yeah. help themselves on Saturday. C.J. Stroud was bad. Weather was bad. This was your stereotypical Big Ten 11 a.m. kick at Northwestern, at Ryan Field, where the Northwestern players, Hutton, started jumping up and down and celebrating <laughs> because a cold rain started pouring on the field in the second quarter when they were up 7 to nothing, And I'm thinking, this is so uniquely Big Ten that their players are <laughs> legitimately excited to be playing in you know, hurricane-force winds with rain because that gives them a chance to win. I'm thinking this would never happen in the SEC. No player was jumping up and down celebrating the rain in the second half in Athens when Tennessee and Georgia are playing. <laughs> now, people may hear this or see this and think that's because you know the Big Ten is hard and the SEC is soft or the South is whatever. That was a miserable game to watch on Saturday with miserable conditions. And Northwestern's only chance was for the weather to get even worse. They needed thunder they needed more rain they needed more wind to have a chance against ohio state the weather lightened up a little bit ohio state wins the game ohio state though their offense is a weird yo-yo at times this season can't quite figure them out but here they are undefeated uh, they're going to be the second ranked well, team in the college football playoff tomorrow. yeah so they've got a home game against indiana this coming week blowout and then they are on the road against maryland and then they get michigan in columbus November 26th. And that's where we see the craziness unfold in the top four. Michigan, too, uh, had a weird start against Rutgers again where they battled Rutgers a year ago. That was a close game early on. And, and uh, I think it was – Rutgers may have been up three at halftime and then Michigan sprinted out and won easily 
in that game. I want to say 41-17 after being down 17-14. Yeah, it felt, it felt like old Miss Vandy. You yeah. know, like second half came and Michigan showed up. And then what was the score with uh, Vandy? Vandy was up 14-0 in that game, right? Vandy was up, I believe, at halftime or tied. And then Ole Miss just completely blew them out in the second half. Hit us up with your thoughts. Outkick 360 is where you can find us on social. Coming up, we'll run through the SEC. And uh, man, there's still a lot to, to recap. Liberty over Arkansas. It, it was a fun day. Cadillac Florida Williams over A&M. Bringing the passion to Auburn. Uh, Mississippi State. One of the yeah. crazier onside ki- A faux onside kick for Mississippi State. One of the crazier plays you'll see also. It was a fun day in the SEC. We go uh, around the SEC, and then we'll veer back into the NFL with some finals and we'll reactions. Cheer the rain when we come back That's from right. Northwestern. Let's all let's get hyped Beware for the that rain. Oh yeah, let's bring it. More rain. Let's go. This is Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Alabama has two losses before Thanksgiving for the first time since 2010. Been a while. Outkick 360 rolls on, and I put Bama in that same boat with Clemson where I just don't feel the same aura um, like you do with Georgia right now, right? Like the invincibility. Like you lost whenever Alabama got off the bus. It's not that this year. And here's LSU. They deserve a ton of credit. I wasn't buying it um, because, I mean, it's a fact. Alabama went into that game with the better... Quarterback, running back, and defense. And it didn't matter because of mistakes, fumbles, penalties, whatever. And the atmosphere was fantastic. And what a great decision to go for two. Said the back and forth in overtime. Well, and and Jalen Daniels with the great run to start. I think part of it was they scored a touchdown on one play to start their round of overtime from the twenty-five. Um, probably made it a little bit easier just to keep the offense out there and say, all right, let's run one more yeah. after that one and, and get the two How about yards. the play call, though? It reminded me of Texas A&M at the end. Throw into the pylon. Yeah. Not the same result. Um, more, a much more accurate throw. But, I mean, that they, they whittled the field down to a very small area and still got it in. I saw a, a video someone posted of it was the exact same play, but they ran it to the opposite side at Notre Dame in 2014 at Florida State on a two-point conversion. Exact same play, but they rolled left instead of rolling right on this one to win the game. It was a great decision. I I was saying the whole time, if they score, they need to go for two. Don't continue to extend this. Go ahead and go for the win at that point. And they get it, and they beat Alabama. Fans storm the field. Uh, Kudos to Jermaine Burton for not hitting anyone on his way off the field this go-around. Apparently, he was not scared (laughs) by the LSU uh, fan. I I saw the one... LSU woman with a walker. I'm glad he didn't hit her on her on his yes. way off the field and wasn't frightened. Wasn't threatened. Um, they're getting used to that now this year at Alabama with fans storming the field. But yeah, I mean, I, I was a little bit surprised. I certainly wasn't as strong as you, Hutton, that Alabama was going to blow them out. I thought most of the week they were going to have a chance to win the game. 
But I think the surprising thing is Bama's really got a generational-type quarterback talent, I think, in Bryce Young. And here we are in early November, and they're out of the running for the college football playoff. That surprises me. A down year a year ago, Nick Saban described it as a rebuilding year, ended in the national championship game in a loss to Georgia. A year later, they're out of, out of the running in early November. That, that's a bit surprising. I mean, the biggest surprise to me is how much they're calling plays for Young to throw the football. When Alabama throughout this entire run, while well, they've had strong quarterback play, and yes, they finally have their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. I mean, he threw 50 times. And you, Saban's style is not to ask the quarterback to throw that much. He can move out of the pocket. and But where is the grinded out play that we're used to seeing at the line of scrimmage? I don't think it's a, it's a player issue. I'm looking at Bill O'Brien going, what are you doing, man? Like, control the line of scrimmage. You've got a fantastic running back. You had a good running back last year. Fantastic running back this year. And Bryce Young's now 1-3 and three when he's asked to throw it more than 50 times. That's just not a recipe for success, given the fact that this wide receiving core is not up to the same level we saw from a year ago. Here's what I don't understand, and Bill O'Brien rightfully gets criticized for the lack of the run game. Jameer Gibbs is the closest thing I've seen to Alvin Kamara in college football, probably since Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara was drastically underutilized by Butch Jones while at Tennessee. Jameer Gibbs, to me, is being drastically underutilized right now at Bama. He averaged 6.6 yards per carry. He only got 15 carries in this game for 99 yards. How is it Jameer Gibbs gets six less carries than Jalen Wright at Tennessee, who had 21? I know Tennessee's playing a little bit faster, but they really weren't playing that fast in this game. In a 14-point loss where Tennessee was, you know, two, three scores behind pretty much the entire second half. Bam LSU was right there for the taking the entire game, and Jameer Gibbs not getting carries and Chad, blows my mind. And the, the time that Bryce Young won a game throwing 50-plus was the craziness in Auburn last year. He had to throw more than 50 times against Georgia in the championship game. We know how that turned out. Um, and, the, and the score was, was separated there, too. Um, I just didn't like the – I thought the game plan uh, from Bill O'Brien there, the negative plays, a lot of third and long, I, I see all that, but I, I, I didn't think it was a recipe for success on the road in Baton Rouge against a uh, an LSU team that's all of a sudden – I mean, where LSU was against Florida State and how much of a struggle it was to even get a first down against the Seminoles to what we're seeing now is remarkable. And, and props to uh, the entire coaching staff there for doing a, a tremendous job. Um, a couple of others. Uh, Florida over A&M. A&M has lost its uh, fifth straight, the longest losing streak for the Aggies since 1980. Um, someone asked me this weekend, does Jimbo want to get fired? Is he actively trying to get fired and get the buyout? And while I don't think it's that... Um, a-Chain rushed for 122 yards, two touchdowns. He caught a score for the Aggies. But they're, they're, they're up by four at halftime. But, Chad, at no point did you think the Aggies have a chance to put this game away. And that's the difference in what we have seen from Jimbo Fisher in years past, not at AM, but years past at Florida State, to what his teams are doing now with the hype but not actually cashing in on it. 
they can't put teams away when they get a lead in the second half. Now, we should preface Average by teams. saying they had a flu bug run through the team and lost players, including Connor Wigman, who was the one bright spot possibly the remainder of the season, the way he played at quarterback the week before. Uh, so Haynes King comes back in. They lose this game. Here's a stat courtesy of SEC Mike, Michael Bratton, that absolutely puzzles me. Three of the last five times a preseason top six team finished with a losing record, Jimbo Fisher was the coach. Wow. That's in all of college football. When Jimbo Fisher does not reach expectation, he does it in royal fashion with a losing record. Not just not reaching top six preseason status, but losing record in those seasons. You're saying Colts tanking. Yes. So that is uh, remarkable to me. What the biggest surprise though is, regardless of quarterback, their run defense. Um, let's see, they gave up 390 rushing yards to Ole Miss, and they turn around and give up 291 to Florida. I mean, you just you cannot win in this conference doing that. Well, they also lost one of their biggest uh, commitments for next year. I know today who decommitted from Texas A and M. That's going to be the one that's going to fire up that fan base, maybe even more than the on-field outcomes the rest of the way for this team is if they start to lose recruiting. They're, they're losing recruiting momentum. But if they start to lose this next class because yeah. of their on-field performance now, that's the one thing to hang their big Aggie hats on is Jimbo Fisher's recruiting, that staff's recruiting. They're going to be good. Record recruiting. They're playing yeah. a ton of freshmen. and we, I saw the stats. Yep. You know, the TV, the commentators, hey, be easy on Jimbo. Look at all the youth they're playing. This team's going to get better. And I'm just thinking it it just needs a complete overhaul offensively. And the biggest question that's going to have to be answered is Jimbo Fisher going to release some of his own pride and make the necessary steps that only he can make to change the offense moving forward. It's going to take Jimbo Fisher coming down from his perch that has been provided for him by the boosters and administration that have given him everything he wants financially and from a power standpoint. So now the emperor has to do what's right for the program and maybe not what's right for Jimbo Fisher. Can he make that type of difficult decision? Time will tell once this season ends, if he can do so or not. Another uh, overtime performance, Mississippi State and Auburn. So... I saw the I saw highlights from the second half of this game, Chad. If you would have told me the final score is 29-23. Mississippi State was up 24 to 3. And Cadillac Williams inspired Bigsby and others to pull the comeback, play with that passion and heart and desire. That was playing for your interim head coach. Yeah. And Cadillac Williams. And what, two different leads in the final five minutes of that game for Auburn craziness then ensued and will rogers makes more history he passed Dak prescott for the school record in touchdowns he now has 73 touchdowns in 31 games and they get out of there with another win and you know uh head coach is not so happy about it then mike leach went back to history (laughs) to quote himself from 2009 discussing his receivers lack of effort because they're spending too much time sitting under a shade tree, drinking lemonade, eating fish sandwiches <laughs> with their fat little girlfriends. And for those of you who don't know, he said the same thing in 2009 about his team listening too much to their chubby little girlfriends and not their coaches. 
as they were getting ready for a game. The Mike Leach video, and if we can find it and show it, we, we should, of him casually getting up and p- taking up the chairs of the wide receivers oh. and tossing them aside <laughs> so they had nowhere to sit when the defense was on the field and they came to the sideline is classic Leach. I love the man. He's fascinating to me. Everything about that was hilarious. He said after the game, talked about his team's toughness, and he said, yeah, I'd say we're tough and dumb. We're both. Of, we're a lot of both, tough and dumb. But I guess we're tough, so I'll say that's a good thing that we're tough. But we're also dumb. Got to love Mike Leach. Yes. Got to love Cadillac Williams. Yes. I mean, this is a guy who clearly loves his university. Uh, the pregame interview was terrific with Cole Kubelik getting ready to coach his team for the first time. You can see the emotion about being the head coach at Auburn, something he never thought he would have a chance to do. Throughout the game, he, I mean, he resembled a player on the sideline physically. Still looks like a very young guy, like he could still play. But just the energy that he brought to that Auburn team was very clear throughout the game. Icing the kicker late, he did it twice. And he did it in a way that both times the kicker got the kickoff. One of them, the Mississippi State faithful, thought that it was good because the timeout came so late. Kicker made both of them and then made the third. And I'm thinking, what if he hits both of these warm-ups and misses the one that counts? But he made it. You had that crazy onside kick that was an accident by Mississippi State trying to hit the squib kick and knocks a line drive right off, right off the chest of the, the Auburn player. That was a fun game to watch yeah, down the, for the a lot of reasons. Awesome. Leach, you know, being funny on the sideline, Cadillac Williams emotion, crazy circumstances late. That was a game that didn't feel like it was going to have a huge impact on anything that turned into a, a classic. Liberty and Arkansas, no classic. Liberty scored all their points in the opening quarter. And Arkansas did not have a drive to begin for more than 45 yards in the first half. They punted on five of their first six possessions. And am I am I crazy to think that the Sam Pittman shine is it's not it's it, it's not dull, but it's kind of losing the luster a bit here. The run game is what you can hold your hat on for Arkansas. And they ran for 144 yards against the Flames. That's a hundred yards less than the season average for the Razorbacks. I think you're always in a in a precarious spot if you're the coach at a program where you go up and down your every year opponents and you're hard-pressed to say, boy, this team should always beat this team. And I'm saying that with Arkansas because it's hard in that division for you to point to a lot of rivals you're going to play every year in the SEC West and say, oh, Arkansas is better than this program. Arkansas should consistently beat this program. They're not in that spot. Sam Pittman's done a terrific job so far. But Hutton, you're right. The, the shine is coming off the apple for Sam Pittman a bit with that program. And you couple that with the fact that two of his players, Anthony Brown and Miles Slusher, get arrested at 2 a.m. for an altercation with cops post-game of a 21-19 loss at home on homecoming to Liberty. That's even bigger problems now for the program after a loss like that. This is a bad performance by Arkansas. Um I'd like to know just how injured K.J. Jefferson really is this year. Yeah. Because I think he's playing through a lot, and I credit the kid for fighting through some injury issues. But this has been a, this has been a disappointing year for Arkansas. Does it have to derail the program and what Sam Pittman's done? No. And they may bounce back next year, but it doesn't feel that way to me. Well, but everything, It feels uh, like this is the start of not a huge free-fall decline, 
but maybe a reset back to what we expect from Arkansas within the SEC West. But what are we, a month, three weeks removed from their dominant performance against BYU, for instance? Like, it's a very, and that's where they just, they lean on the physicality, they lean on the trenches. Chad, Liberty had 14 tackles for loss and negative 57 yards for the Razorbacks when it came to running the football. That is unbelievable to me. It's also a, um, I think just looking at Liberty winning that game, Hugh Freeze is their head coach. This is more of a sign of things to come. LSU upgraded at coach with Brian Kelly over Ed Orgeron. Auburn is going to upgrade at coach. It may be Hugh Freeze, who just went into Fayetteville and beat Arkansas with Liberty. Hugh Freeze is telling his team post-game, I had eight eight games against Arkansas as Ole Miss's coach, and I did not have much success against them. And now I come in here and win with you guys. What can Hugh Freeze do with Auburn's players if he gets a job like that and starts recruiting at a high clip at Auburn? What can Lane Kiffin do at Auburn? That that is when you look down the road and say, okay, it's been good with Sam Pittman. There's a clear identity. But can we expect better things in the future? Or at least going back to match the early success under Pittman. Maybe you can. I think holding on – did not have a good day here, but – Holding on to a guy like Kendall Bryles, keeping good coordinators, you know, that's going to be big for him. Barry Odom, you know, another one. But, man, it's, um, that's, that's a tough loss for Arkansas, and it's, it's tough to be really optimistic right now about the Razorbacks. Same could be said for Kentucky and the Wildcats. 21-17 winners over Missouri. Um, look, this was a tight window game. Vegas told you it was going to be. Ends up being that. The two teams combined for 484 total yards of offense. Kentucky, lucky to win, quite frankly. Um, If you're watching Kentucky, I'm thinking, well, have we seen the peak of Kentucky? Is Stoops now going to be the coach that is good, not great? Because he's right there. I mean, second in the East prediction-wise is like next level for a program, and they didn't reach that. So, Chad, they dominated by Tennessee. They lose to South Carolina. Lucky to win this game. And now they've got Vandy coming up. They had no offense against Florida, but still won that game. Really struggled offensively against Missouri. And Missouri's defense is vastly improved. But this is a Kentucky group and an offensive group that was supposed to turn some heads this year. And at no point this year have you looked around going, that's that's the Kentucky team we expected to see. Blake Baker, Missouri defensive coordinator, is going to be he, – he may win the Broyles Award for assistant coach of the year in college football. That's a remarkable turnaround defensively. Very good. For Missouri. that They've got a really solid defense. Um, this game went about as I expected. Honestly, I thought Kentucky would win bigger in this one. When they get up 14-3, to I am thinking, okay. The route's this on. This is what I expected. Kentucky's going to go away. They're going to win by 17, you know, 17, 14 points. And I thought Kentucky was that much better than Missouri. But then Missouri really fought back well in this game. They do not have the ability to score in bunches, uh, this Missouri team. But they play good, solid defense. They've got a good scheme. I thought they played Will Levis very well. I thought Will Levis was pretty good. It was a nice bounce back for Levis. Let's put it that way. After his performance in Knoxville the week before, we got to talk about that roughing the punter call. That's just brutal Yeah, for Missouri. I mean, there's no... There's no injustice in it other than it's a play where it didn't get the right outcome based on how the play was executed. You had a terrible snap. 
you had a punter go back and corral it 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage, almost at the goal line, and was smart enough to turn and kick it because he's not out of the pocket, he's still a punter, and you can't blast the punter. So him kicking it, and he had to get stretchered off the field, by the way, it's the, it's the right call. Uh, I know Eli Drinkwitz after the game said, we probably need to reevaluate the rule if that's the right call, that you can snap it 40 yards over someone's head and still get a roughing the punter call if they try to kick it at that point. But I think the rule was executed well. It just didn't work out for um, – did not work out for Missouri in that situation. That was the turning point of the game late. 4.1 yards per play, though, for Kentucky after a, a nice start. And uh, Chris Rodriguez, the difference maker, over 100 yards. But, again, uh, converted on third down, kept possession – 21-17, the final over Missouri. Um, Chad, as we go to break, uh, we do have the Mike Leach video that you were referencing earlier. Oh, excellent. So set this up. So Mike Leach, I first saw this, uh, I think our guy Trey Wallace tweeted out and said, I will never not be interested in Mike Leach and what he's doing. And then I started seeing more on Twitter about it. And what this is, is Mike Leach <laughs> casually going and taking every chair that the wide receiver group sits on stacking and them. stacking them, <laughs> throwing them away one by one. He doesn't look angry while he's doing it. Then he goes casually right back up the sideline. He was pissed off at his wide receiver group for a lack of effort in the game, not getting extra yards. And this was his answer was, you know what? You're going to stand the rest of the game. There's no more sitting over here if you're going to play that way. And what's Did funny you see is the guy come behind the, him? Yeah, and pick the, it up? the trainer or GA behind him is picking them up, but it looks like he's like stacking them neatly for yeah, him. Yeah, he's moving them out. He's not. That would be a bold move if you go behind Mike Leach <laughs> Put and them start back up. setting them back up after he does that. That could get you immediately fired for cause if you're a Mississippi <laughs> State staffer, if you go behind the coach and do that. With cause, by the way. There will be no buyout, there will be no settlement. You're out. Brian Kelly and LSU, big winners. They're going to rise up the college football playoff board. They were 10th last last week, 7th this week in the AP poll. Here is Brian Kelly uh, postgame after the two-point conversion and the win against Nick Saban and the Tide. Before the game started, if you asked me, hey, I'm going to give you one play. If you're successful on that one play, you beat Alabama. I would have taken that 100 times out of 100. At that moment, it kind of hit me that way. I knew we had a really good play that we hadn't used and they hadn't seen. And so I felt really good about the play and it was well executed. And that, that was the thought behind it. It's great. And, and he, it, was the, it now, was the right, even if they don't get it, it was the right call. Uh, yes. That's one that I believe I would also, not though, I would have applauded it either way. Look at the the success rate already for Brian Kelly in a year where if you were going to get LSU, this is the year to take advantage of LSU. And now there's a chance they can clinch and go to Atlanta this week based on results. It's crazy. Things have to fall their way, but Again, we're, we're discussing that now. Yeah, they could be playing Georgia and Atlanta for the SEC championship. It, it's, a, it's a great turnaround from what the discussion was. Remember way back when, in week one, when they get an extra point blocked with no time on the clock and lose to Florida State? And then that Tuesday, they have a press conference after Labor Day on a Sunday night game, and that reporter had the crack about, if you won, we'd be here on time. That, oh, had, that's that right. dared to say that to Brian Kelly. Oh, that's I was right. thinking about that as they stormed the field on Saturday after <laughs> beating Alabama. I wonder what that reporter feels like now after taking that shot at Brian Kelly 
because she was late and said, well, maybe if you won, we'd be here on time. And Brian can, uh, Kelly handled all that well. But it's been an incredible turnaround. And I, I'll keep going back to giving him full credit because after the beat down at home to Tennessee, right after the game, he said, we need to do more. And he gave specific examples. These guys are playing hard. We need to learn how to help them out more. Maybe like going to seven-man protections when we're getting beat that bad by the defensive front with our offensive line. They started tweaking things. The team stayed with it. And they're the most improved team probably in all of college football since the start of the season. Them and Oregon, based on week one result, Oregon yeah. losing 49-3 to Georgia, they've been terrific ever since. LSU sort of stubbed their toe early on with that loss, but a little bit early in the season, they get the big win over Mississippi State. Then they have Tennessee at home. They get blown out. And from that point on, they've been one of the best teams in all of college football. Coming up, we take a look at Monday Night Football. We'll also continue to recap some of NFL in Week 9. It's all next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With that, we'll open it up to this late-arriving media crowd that uh, must have... uh, enjoyed the the weekend that's usually ten dollars that we put in the kitty for we'll, we'll have a big bash at the end of the year at my place <laughs> i don't think it has anything to do with winning i think it has to do with being on time they were on time against bama outkick 360 rolls on there's brian kelly from earlier in the year and chad your response to that was man how uh how times have changed i'm gonna go on a limb and guess that that reporter was on time to today's media session after they beat Alabama. She's probably there early. Maybe they're an hour (laughs) early, just sitting there waiting on Brian Kelly. It's funny how quickly he... (laughs) I don't think it has anything to do with... Nothing to do with winning. (laughs) Just be on time. Hey, Joe, didn't he didn't really get mad or is just, no, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I don't... I'm just going to go ahead and... Here's my retort to what you're saying. It doesn't have to do with that. It's about being on time. Let's uh, let's take a look and update the uh, Twitter poll from Outkick 360 that we posted earlier in the show. Uh, your prediction: We're asking our audience which team's going to be the college football playoff uh, number four based on what the committee will unveil in the rankings tomorrow night. TCU, Tennessee, or Oregon? Forty nine percent, forty nine point eight percent say TCU. Forty two point three vote for Tennessee, and seven point nine are going with Oregon. You Many know what of this you have voted. We appreciate that. And I think it will be that close on the opinion nationally. This shows me, Hutton, that we have a very smart viewership and listenership because that is the appropriate ratio mm-hmm. of where the vote should be because I think it's going to slightly be TCU ahead of Tennessee. But it's all going to shake, its, shake itself out. You've got TCU with a big one at Texas where they're an underdog this weekend. And, uh, you know, I've, I've told a lot of Tennessee friends this. Since Saturday, it's, it's fun to be excited right now after Alabama and Clemson go down, but you got to handle business. There's no no guarantees in sport. You got to show up and play the game, 
And Tennessee's about to face three teams that could make their season with a win over one of the highest-ranked teams in the country, which is now Tennessee. So Tennessee's one of those teams that's the hunted against Missouri at South Carolina at Vanderbilt to close out the season. Tennessee's much better than those teams. They play well. They're going to win those games. But you got to go out and play well. You can't lose to Georgia twice. That's the key now for Tennessee moving forward. You don't want to lose that game twice. They played poorly in that one. Georgia, a lot of it had to do with Georgia playing well sure. and being a good matchup for Tennessee. But you got to go out and play well these last three games. Outkick.com slash bet is where you can join us for Monday Night Football and, and the fun there with DraftKings. Outkick.com slash bet. Um, Chad, I believe we're both taking the Ravens tonight on the road in New Orleans. Baltimore's favored currently by two. Lamar Jackson's playing. This is a banged up, full disclosure, banged up Ravens roster right now. Mark Andrews is out. Running back Gus Edwards is banged up. You've got um, Marcus Peters and a number of other players on the injury report that are out or questionable. Um, Baltimore's better. Baltimore has built leads, and I realize they've also allowed those leads to go away and vanish, and the other team has won three times against Baltimore. Um, Andy Dalton's not great in prime time. And for that, I'm taking the quarterback who normally is, Lamar Jackson, and I'm taking him over 60 and a half rushing yards as well. He's averaging around 75, 76 yards per game on the ground. Right now, the over-under against the Saints defense is 60 and a half. I'd take the over rushing for Lamar Jackson. Ravens have been bad in some of these close games and, and losing leads late, but I just think they're better than New Orleans. I think you know home field matters for New Orleans more than a lot of NFL teams. But That's I like true. the Ravens in this one, uh, minus the two. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, Hutton, I loved your bet that you mentioned about um, Lamar Jackson rushing yards. I'm going to parlay that one as well as an Alvin Kamara touchdown coming off a great game last week for Kamara. So I think he scores for the Saints, but I think the Ravens cover those two points and Lamar Jackson's going to go over that rushing total. Uh, one uh, yesterday on uh, – Two of the three upset picks in the NFL. One of those I thought was a given. See Seattle on the road in Arizona. Wrong team favorite. Yeah, the Seattle moves to six and three. Cardinals fall to three and six. 31-21 winners over Arizona on the road. This was a big moment, not for the game, big moment for the game, but for Geno Smith in the season. This told me a lot. So Geno Smith opens the second half with a pick six. Zaven Collins in Arizona, pick six. They go up 14 to 10. And Geno Smith comes back out with the Seattle offense and leads a 13-play, 75-yard drive to retake the lead to go get a touchdown. And after that interception, Geno Smith was 10 of 12 for 123 yards and a touchdown. And Kenneth Walker III, he is he's overtaking... Um, I believe, any of the contenders for Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's been tremendous over the last five weeks, and he, again, leads them yesterday. He, There are guys who are run hard. They'll run hard, and there are guys who run hard, and that is Kenneth Walker for Seattle. He is fun to watch because you're not arm tackling that guy. Geno Smith's turnaround to the Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks, we talked about the Jets earlier. Certainly, maybe the story of the year. Seahawks are right there with what they've been able to accomplish. And Kenneth, Walker, I mean Kenneth Walker. So first half stats: nine carries, thirty-one yards. Arizona's got a good game plan for him. 
they trail by three at the half. Arizona does. Second half, 17 carries, 78 yards. I mean, just eating time of possession clock, moving the chains, and they end up winning by 10, in large part due to Geno Smith, but do not overlook what they're doing in the backfield in Seattle. Um, the Buccaneers hang on to beat the Rams, 16-13. Brady to Cade Otten with nine seconds remaining after already failing on a possession on fourth down where I didn't think they were going to get the ball back. And methodically, they get a quick three and out. Timeouts work. They had just enough yeah, they, time they to They only had two timeouts left, too. They didn't have all three yeah. when they, they, had to, yeah. they gave it up on downs. And then the Rams' defense allowed the Buccaneers' receivers to get to the sideline and get out of bounds on that two-minute drill at the end. 30-second drill, whatever it was. Awful defense. Brady wins, and now he heads to Germany in Week 10. It is Buccaneers and Seahawks in Munich. Did you Sunday. see Brady when he uh, had a little pep in his step walking up to the post-game press conference oh, yeah. there and said, That was awesome. Ooh, that was awesome. <laughs> Love and it. then some other choice words yeah, as well. That was awesome. That was, he kind of uh, had a little Chase Utley moment about yeah. world champions, world bleeping champions. The show was awesome. We still have a lot to get to yeah. and react to. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow. We'll react to Monday Night Football. Plenty to discuss tomorrow across the NFL with further injury reports, the latest on Josh Allen and more. And uh, Chad, here's here's a feeling we're going to dive back into the SEC and look ahead to some of the other matchups this weekend. The SEC, the biggest line of the weekend is Tennessee minus 20, and it goes way down from there. Some close Vegas spreads, which means we're going to talk a lot about the SEC because yep. there should be some good games this weekend. Hope you'll join us for the Tuesday edition Outkick 360, 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central, right here across the Outkick Network.